am very excited to welcome you back to these community episodes of Motherkind. Honestly, it is one of my favorite parts of the podcast is getting to chat to you, our community. And I'm so excited that we are back with another episode after the summer break. This week, we chat to Zenat. We talk about breaking cultural norms, not doing it all. And when the village doesn't exist, building it for yourself. I hope you love it. Here it is. Oh, Z, I'm so thrilled that you are joining us for this community episode of the Motherkind podcast. It feels like such a privilege that I get to speak to so many different listeners with so many different backgrounds and stories and, and hear a little bit about your story and motherhood and maybe hopefully how Motherkind has supported that. So why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, about your children and where you are. So I'm parent to two children. One has special needs. He's hearing impaired and he has ADHD. And the other one, the younger one, she has no identified special needs. So parenting was a pretty intense experience from the get-go for me. In addition to that, I had the nuclear family set up. We lived in a big city. My family weren't around. Extended family weren't around. In-laws weren't around. So I had connections, friends that I'd made, but I didn't have much support in the beginning. And whereabouts are you in the country? That was in London at the time. I've since moved back to my hometown. I've been here a good eight years now, much happier here, much more supported here. When I moved here, I made a lovely set of friends in the school playground. Those friends have stayed with me since. And uh, they were part of the shared experience that parenting should be. And their support was invaluable. We talk about building this village, but, you know, we have to do it ourselves. I think the hard thing, I don't know if you found this, is building that network of friends. It takes energy, often energy that we don't always have. I think it's really hard. It's so important and it's really hard, that group of friends and that sense of community, isn't it? I agree with that. And I think it's the challenge of parenting, that it's the time when you are busiest and yet the time when you need to connect the most. It's really true. Well, you and I first connected over wonderful world of Instagram because you sent me a message and I get a lot of messages, but yours just stood out for me because you said it is Eid. And for the first time ever, because I've been listening to mother kind and learning about boundaries and valuing my worth and protecting my energy. You said for the first time ever, I am not rushing around exhausted. I'm letting others help. Can you tell us about that and how you got to that place? And it's so fascinating to me to learn more about the expectations of women in your culture and and how much harder it is sometimes to break those norms. So I, reflected based upon the episodes that you'd put out for Christmas, actually. And I thought for a lot of my life that a lot of the expectations of women were just in my culture. And actually to see that, you know, women in every culture struggle with the kind of burdens that they're faced with. You know, they're expected to be sort of social entrepreneurs. They're the ones that hold up all the social connections. And those episodes they really resonated with me. And as a result of them, I did make changes the following eve where I decided that actually I need to put my children's happiness actually first, which meant 
cutting back on other aspects of the celebration. Now, often where families have strong traditions, if you try and change things, you face a lot of resistance. Luckily, my family are quite flexible and they were okay to go with it. And all the tips that I'd learned from those Christmas episodes, I decided to execute. So I delegated some of the tasks. I outsourced some of the resources that we needed, such as food, or I switched to easier options. And overall, it then became a fun, lovely event for the children, but also for me, because I was relaxed and I was having a good time and I wasn't stressed. And the impact of that was felt not just by me, but also by all the women around me. So my mother, my sister-in-law, my daughter, all of them felt much more relaxed because I was relaxed. It's incredible. I think you're right. You know, it does take courage because what had you seen growing up? Tell us a bit more about what you'd seen around these celebrations and what the norm was. So my mom was uh, the person that was the designated responsible person and everybody came to us for Eid uh, in the morning. Morning stretched into afternoon. She spent days preparing. On the day itself, she was so busy, so busy. We almost, other than, you know, looking nice for the visitors, didn't really get a glance. And by sort of teenage years, both me and my brother had decided that that was enough. And we didn't like to see our mom that way. You know, she was exhausted. And one year we decided to boycott Eid and go to school instead. And then my mom, she had to stand up and say, actually, this is not working anymore and things need to change. And of course, she faced a lot of rejection for that. And I just thought that there has to be a better way rather than getting to a point where you cannot cope and therefore you say, okay, I'm just not doing this anymore. There needs to be a system in place where everybody takes some sort of responsibility and therefore everybody has a nice time. It's so inspiring as well, I think, you know, hearing that you boycotted it. That's so funny. Tell me about that. So I think I've always been a bit of an activist. Yeah, if something needs changing and gently is not doing it, sometimes you need some radical action you know, my mom, bless her, she tried her level best for everyone, even for us. So after all these visitors had left from three o'clock, four o'clock, whatever the time was, she would still then get ready and take us out to celebrate again so that we could go and do something that we would enjoy. And just looking at her was exhausting. I don't know where she found the energy from. And I realized quite quickly that I wasn't going to be able to do that. It's that generational modeling, isn't it? And someone said to me once on the podcast, which really, really helped me. It was a psychologist. Most children just want their mothers to be happy. Yeah. And that was probably our reason for boycotting Eid was probably to say enough is enough and something needs to change. Yeah. Incredible. And now in your generation, you are changing that and how you're showing up. Tell me a bit more about your journey in motherhood so far. What are some of the things that really stand out in terms of what you've learned about yourself, about life and about your children? I think the biggest learning thing is having self-awareness to understand where your conditioning, where your modelling, where your expectations of yourself come from. And they often come from a very loving place. It's not that parents or grandparents or extended family are modelling something for you or saying things to you from a negative point of view, they're trying to do the best that they can to encourage you to be the best that you can. 
sometimes we shoulder those responsibilities all the way into motherhood and then realize that doesn't serve us anymore because the whole journey of motherhood for everyone, for every mother, is incredibly laborsome. You know, care is hard to give. Caring for people is taxing on the person that's doing the caring. As a society, we genuinely don't value care, which is really sad. And things aren't changing. They aren't. I can't see anything that's coming in from, you know, governmental policy all the way down to mothers themselves valuing one another. In your community, mothers value one another. In my friendship circle, mothers value one another. But society at large generally doesn't value mothers. And this is very problematic. I think what your podcast gave me is a lot of self-awareness, awareness of where the conditioning comes from and whether it's worth challenging. And I think it is worth challenging. Yeah, you're so right. And I don't know if you had this experience, but for me, motherhood showed me a lot of that conditioning really quickly and really clearly. Like it was in early motherhood, I saw that perfectionist part of me, that critical part of me got so loud. It was almost like I couldn't ignore it. And then as you say, it's that decision, isn't it? Okay. Am I going to do something about this? Where am I going to learn? How am I going to start small? What are some of that conditioning then that you've changed in yourself? You've already given us an incredible example with how you approach things like Eid. What else has changed through you in motherhood? So I also had the whole perfectionism thing running. And that was specifically through the domestic sphere. So in collectivist societies, your home is a representation of you. Everything should be done. Everything should be perfect. The routine shouldn't move. It should be a set routine. Everything should be organized. Those are the kind of perfectionist tendencies that I had in particular. I was one of those people who'd be going on holiday and mopping on the way out, like literally. So the last footstep out would mean that there was you know, not a single mark on the floor. And that doesn't work. When you have children, that doesn't work. You know, those things may have been a priority, but they can't be anymore. They are more important things. Like, don't forget the nappies. That's far more important than mopping the floor on the way out. And you have to reassess your priorities when you become a parent. That's just the way it is. You have to. Otherwise, you just make things more difficult for yourself. And eventually, you can try and do everything and you'll just burn out. And I did burn out. There were instances in my parenting journey where I did burn out. And your podcast came at a really good time for me. So it came at the COVID sort of time where everybody was now going to be home and we were going to be doing homeschooling and the kind of respite that school provided was no longer going to be there. So I had no choice but to take on all the advice, but also it raised a lot of self-awareness in me, knowing where all these ideas came from in the first place and acknowledging that they don't serve me and then turning that all on its head and having boundaries with myself more than anyone else. You're so right. And I love the way that you talk about that self-awareness and priorities. What are your priorities then? So if they're not mopping the floor, I mean, to be honest, Dee, like I'm quite a disorganized, a chaotic person. So the idea that I would even be able to do that, I mean, before we leave for holiday, it is chaos. I'm not going to lie. So I can't imagine being that organized to be mopping the floor. And it's got to embrace the chaos. Yeah, absolutely. Who said it needs to be lined up? No one. 
Exactly. So what are your priorities then? What is important to you if it isn't mopping the floor anymore? My priority is connection with my children. That is my central priority. I've always prioritized that above everything else. My connection with my husband, my connection with my family and my connection with my friends. Those things will come first. They should come first because they give me energy. They make me feel good. And those relationships are much more important than anything else, really. You're so right. And I think I need to be reminded of that. My girls are always very high up there, but I can put down my husband, you know, with my relationship with Guy, I can put work above my friendships sometimes. And this is quite natural. This is quite natural. And the thing is that the things that nourish us the most are the ones that we often take for granted and are the ones that often end up at the bottom of the list. And I can't say that I do any of this perfectly. I can't say I get any of the balance right all the time. I try to, and many a time I do, but not all the time. There have been times where I've cancelled on a friend due to some domestic needs or, you know, some other event that's happened in my household. So, you know, I can't say I do this perfectly and nobody can, but it is good to try and have some sort of idea about what is important to you and to try and put that at the top of your list if you can, as much as you can. That's it. It's not about doing it perfectly, but it's about knowing what your priorities are. Because, you know, I often talk about this when I'm coaching someone, if we don't know what's important, everything feels important. And then everything feels urgent and important and an emergency and it's not. Oh, Z, it's so gorgeous to hear you. And I almost feel like I'm interviewing an, an expert. I almost feel like you've written a book on this, the way, the way that you talk about it. Maybe that's in your future, let's see. And I wanted to ask you, are there any episodes that particularly stand out? You talked about the Christmas ones. Are there any others that have really had an impact on you? There are so many. You know, the things that I've kind of reflected on more recently. So one of the ones was the one about the birth trauma stories. So I think, again, as a society, we tend to focus a lot on the baby when the baby is born. And there isn't enough focus on the mother and the journey that the mother's been on to get to that point. A lot of negative experiences of childbirth are very taboo. And I think many people try to sort of pretend it's not happening. Pretend that women walk into hospital and then just walk out with a baby. And everything that happens during the birth is just, you know, it's almost invisible. I think birth stories should have a voice. I think it's incredibly therapeutic to be able to express your birth story. Some women choose to do that in therapy. Recently, I met a circle of friends where the topic just came about and we were all able to talk about our birth stories openly, which was really good. And one of those people later told me that that experience has almost relieved her of her trauma. Just being able to sit with someone and just tell them exactly what happened has almost relieved her of her trauma, which is incredible. You know, there should be more open spaces and open discussions around this. That's so gorgeous. And you're so right, because it's a hard thing to talk about. You don't want to inadvertently trigger other women's pain or what they would have gone through. 
it's a sensitive subject. And I loved that episode too, you know, and I was really keen when we put that episode out that it wasn't just about people who said they had birth trauma. And that's why I called it, you have to process your birth, whatever your experience. Well, it's the validation thing. Exactly. It's a huge thing. And and you're right. You know, it's a life-changing event that you will remember forever. There's not many other things in our lives that we will always remember than birth. And yet you're so right. We just sweep it under the carpet and focus on the baby. That sounds like a beautiful circle of friends to be able to hold each other's experience with compassion like that. I'm really lucky like that. And I've had a lot of privileges in my motherhood journey as well. You know, I've got a very supportive family. I've got a very supportive husband. I've got friends that I can talk to almost anything about and friends that can validate my experience without being judgmental, without offering advice, just hold space for me. I'm very lucky in that way. And yet I still found the whole journey incredibly difficult. It's still difficult now on some days. And that's why I think having something like mother kind is highly validating. You know, if you're having a moment where you feel that everything is too much, you can scroll through a list and choose which episode might resonate with you. And if you've heard them before, you know which ones will make you feel better, you know, feel seen and heard. Or, you know, listening to your experience repeated by someone else. No, you're not alone. And you can click on that and you can listen to it and it can relieve your burdens in some way. Yeah, it's so powerful that, isn't it? I do the same as well. I listen back to old episodes because I think you can't hear that validation and that understanding enough, can you? It really is magic. You will know that I always ask this question at the end, but I can't wait to hear your answer, which is if you could give just one gift to all the mothers in the world, what would that one gift be and why? So I've thought about this long and hard. And I think what women need, in addition to validation, is respect. They need respect for the incredible functionality of their body, how their body can hold life and give birth. They need respect for their role as a mother, how they are the essence of the survival of the human race, and respect for their own needs and autonomy, respect for their choice, because that's often very overlooked in the motherhood journey, is a woman's choice. That's really, really beautiful. And I think, you know, with me, that respect starts with my self-respect. Oh, I've loved this conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for being a part of our Motherkind community. And thank you for agreeing to do this. I know that, you know, you sharing your experience is going to help so many. So thank you. I've loved speaking to you, Zoe, as much as I've loved listening to you for the last few years. And thank you for having me on. It's really important, I think, that mother's voices are heard and you provide a platform for that oh thank you well it's only because of people like you listening and and being willing to speak so thank you so much and i hope we get to see each other one day soon that'll be nice I hope you loved that episode. If you did, and if you love the podcast in general, can you help me out by doing one or all of these three things? The first is subscribing. Please do hit that little blue button. It makes a massive difference to me and you because it means you'll never miss an episode. 
The second thing is, if you love the podcast, please tell others about it. Please leave a five-star review. And the third thing is, please do share it with other mums. Motherkind has grown from our listeners and our community sharing it, and I intend to keep it that way. So please do share an episode. And just to say thank you. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you, and I will see you next time. 